Do you think we're weak? I mean, do you think that human beings' weakness is kind of part of the thing? I tell my kids, like, I don't want that in my house. I don't want you to play that video game. We're not playing that movie. We're not doing it. Because at this point, I'm, I'm so in belief that this house is protected. I spend every day praying to call on the angels to protect this home and for Jesus to protect this home and to know that it's under attack all the time. My heart, my soul, my mind, my kid's mind, everything. It's under attack here. Spirit chaser, dog over here, barks if he feels like something's coming up. So we're not messing around because we think that things are pretty serious right now. We think that there's a lot of fear. We think there's a lot of panic. We think there's a lot of government intrusion. We think there's a lot of deception. We think that this is the time when we should all be really the most mindful that we are under a spiritual attack. And so for me, this home is a place that I consider a place that is either safe, a safe house, or is under attack. So I'm constantly praying that it's safe, but then I, we're always looking at what door do we open up? Where are we weak? Like, where can we be not firmly in God's command to allow for these kinds of energies to come in and tackle us, take over our families, take over our homes, take over our lives, take over our minds? What do you think about that? Well, you know, the Bible says the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. And when you really think about that, you know, we live in a corrupted flesh. And it's not till Christ comes at the second coming and the great resurrection takes place where everything will be restored, that we are going to face opposition. First John, it says that we face opposition from the world, the flesh, and the devil. And each three come at you at a different angle. And this is the thing about being born into a spiritual war, is that you have to prepare it's no different than any type of warrior that's about to go out and fight. So I'm Sally. I just got up this morning, and I'm getting ready to go work down at the post office. I believe, but I'm not really um, a believer. So what does Sally have to know about a spiritual war? She wakes up. She's going down to the post office. She's just been pretty even keel. Nobody knows her to be a sinner. Nobody knows her to be an angel. She just kind of keeps her life together. But she wakes up this morning on her way down to the post office, what's in line for her in the spiritual world? So many different angles can attack, right? One of the first places that we are attacked is our mind, right? The battlefield of our mind is the important and most worst and strongest battle you got to face other vessels. The thing is, is that for an example, say you're dealing with Whatever it is, say you got a problem with lust or infidelity, Satan can provoke, entice, and take people captive to do his will. And captive looks like what? You forgot to be spiritual for a week, 10 days, 30 days, you're now on the other side? What does it look like? If I decided I was going to be lustful now, let's just say I'm just like, I've decided, Satan won, I'm going to just inhabit lust. Okay, so that would be unrepentant, unconfessing. There you go unrepentant, unconfessed sin. Exactly. Okay, That's, tell us more. And so unrepentant, unconfessed sin 
is ultimately you've turned your back on God and chose the life of a rebel. And when you do that, we have to understand all sin is a manifestation of rebellion. And rebellion is what took place in heaven. It's what took place in the garden. And one thing that we have to do is we have to stand firm. And the Bible says, give no place to the devil. And so sin is literally a beacon to the spirit world. Oh yeah, boom, boom, boom. It's like a vibration going down from your house. We're like, hey, we got a sinner down here. And and not only that, imagine walking outside into your front yard shooting flares off. Wow, yeah. Because we have to continually remember we are spiritual creatures in a spiritual world. And So if I'm meditating and praying, am I sending off spiritual beacons? If I'm being a soft spiritualist? I'm... No, because when you're getting your heart and mind right with God, He is there to aid us, to help us up. The Bible says that He will put nothing that you can't bear in front of you. And so, but the thing is, is that the scripture says he always makes a way for you to escape. Now, will you escape? Will you take the exit or will you remain in the burning house? And so opening up spiritual doors, which is exactly what sin is. And you got to look at it like this, right? Cockroaches are always drawn to what? Garbage, right? Demons are always drawn to sin. And it's not until you turn that light on that those cockroaches go in a scatter. And it's the same thing with faith. It's not until you put your faith and trust in Christ, confess your sin, that that darkness is going to take off. Because no darkness can reside where light dwells. So Shane, you I mean, we've shared where you're at, I've shared where I'm at, I kind of understand. But what makes us sin, do you think? I mean, like... Are we lonely? Are we unsatisfied? Is our professions not happening well fast enough for us? Are we not cool enough? Do we don't get to wear don't get to wear fancy suits and drive the cars that we want? Are we comparing ourselves to somebody? What dwells us to realize that as a person of faith, we just want to go ahead and take a left turn here and and just sin for a while and as if nobody's watching? Temptation will always be in our life. Being tempted isn't sin, right? I could be tempted to do something horrible to my marriage with another woman. Where true faith comes in, and this is where, you know, the scripture says to gird your heart and mind, literally to bind it, to build a fortress around it. So whenever Satan comes against you, and he will, to create a provoking thought and a provoking urge, right? Just like he did with Eve. The first thing she said The tree was good to the eyes. It was desired to make one wise. That's what she was thinking. All along, that's a 100% full-blown attack by Satan. She has the desire. She sees the beauty of it with her eyes. And what happened? She fell. Now, whenever we as Christians, whenever we're faced with sin or whenever we do sin and fall into sin, We have to keep our spiritual eyes open. Whenever we sin, we have to be in the place. This is where I look at someone that's truly saved, where you truly have the Holy Spirit, is when you sin, you literally have red flags flying out. Boom, warning, 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 stop, stop. Because it's not something that can be taken lightly. It's not something that 
you can just, you know, sweep under the rug and everything's going to be okay. No, this is something that is greatly severe. That comes into how much do you really believe what you believe is really real? If you really believe the Almighty Father Yahweh Jehovah, the great supreme creator, is the one that every single soul will stand before and he will make that decision between being cast away into a place of hell or entering into a place of paradise. And it all comes down to our decisions because we have free will. He, God gives us the spiritual enlightenment. He gives us the calling. We have the decision to choose. And it's the same thing with sin, right? It's the same thing with anything in this world. So whether we're in like the end times or not, let's just ask ourselves, or do you feel like you're in the matrix? Is there like something about the kind of matrix concept about like, you know, there were the people are angels teaching you something. Are you really a human in a physical form here fighting sin to do something right by God? Or are you in an illusionary state kind of here dealing with your own sins and your own free will? And I'm actually just a perception of God who's trying to help you get through this. Or, I mean, is this real tangible, everything you're living through right now? This is reality. And this is substantive. People that are listening to this that are not strong in their spiritual faith or not at a point where they feel 100% accepted before God. They can't answer the question, if I die right now, do I know for a fact I'm going to heaven or not? You know, people that are in that state, the scripture says, seek him and he will be found. Knock and it shall be opened. This is not a God that hides. This is a yes, invisible God, a God that you cannot see with your clearly right now with your physical eyes unless he opens that veil and gives you a vision. And many people, especially across the Muslim country, people all over the Muslim countries right now, there's devoted jihadists turning to Christ because they said they had a vision of seeing Jesus and him saying that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that there was no other prophet behind me. Whereas in Islam, they say, no, Muhammad was the last prophet. He's more superior, etc., etc. And so God opens doors. The doors are open all around us. Now, the question is, do we make the decision to go through those doors or Does not? God talk to you or does other people tell you what God says? Whenever you're getting yourself in tune with God, right? You know, you'll start hearing the voice of God. You'll know when God's speaking. This is a personal conversation with God, a personal relationship with God, personal relationship with Jesus that they talk about, right? And that you actually can sit and talk and, and counsel with your higher mighty and pray and get feedback. Oh, absolutely. Is that a and thing? It's absolutely a thing. And not only that. Spiritually, right? In other spiritually. Ways. And, you know, the, the scripture says that without faith, you cannot please God. That those that come to God must believe that first he is. I had a friend just interrupt on that. I want you to finish that comment. But like I had a friend who was like, you know, when I was like, oh, I had to go throughout all my Buddhas. And I like, I love some Buddha, right? Or whatever. I thought I loved some, you know, I was a Taoist. I, I love all these other altars. And I was like, oh man, once I, once Christ came to me and struck me down and told me, you have to believe in me and only me as your Christ and, you know, only savior. Because I believe that, well, that's what I got, right? Much like the Muslims. I was like a, a Taoist easygoing, free-flowing religious dude who somehow had this voice of Jesus who said, no, that's not an option anymore. You need to get rid of all those false gods, get them off your altars, 
go get baptized and get in line and get on in business, right? So that's that's my life. I just got baptized May 5th. I was not anywhere near it. I'll explain later in the show like how far I was away from that kind of devotion. But to get rid of all the other variations and to kind of accept that Christ was the kind of Christ conscious ultimate source for eternal life and to do the right thing, I guess is what I'm saying. Once I did that, you know, then the kind of question came about first, are you mad? Are you completely out of your mind? Are you insane? Who can come up with this? Back to the point of how do you talk to God? How do you talk to Jesus? Or are you just listening to other people telling you what Jesus and God is saying? And we're saying we live in a spiritual life, so we must be experiencing spiritual things, which means that in a personal relationship with Jesus and, and Christ and, and all that we're doing, we can hear this wisdoms, right? Good wisdoms or bad wisdoms. But that's kind of the big doubt. That's kind of the insanity, the schizophrenia of it. Do you really live in a spiritual life? Do you really have a conversation with God or Jesus? Do you really know when bad spirits are around you? And do you really know when you're actually fulfilling on God's wishes? Uh-huh.